is Gunnar Esaias, and then you are listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast presented by the Boomer Esaias Foundation and GunnarEsaias.com. This podcast series has been made possible by Vertex, Novartis, DCU, and Atlantic Health. The views expressed on Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast are that of Gunnar Esaias and Leah Farone, Tiffany Rich, and guests, and are not necessarily those of the Boomer Esaias Foundation. Nothing in this podcast series should be considered medical advice. Such advice can only be given by a physician who's experienced with cystic fibrosis. The Boomer Esiason Foundation, Gunnar and Leah Farone, Tiffany Rich, and guests cannot be held responsible for any damage which may result from using the information on this podcast without the permission of your medical doctor. You're listening to Breathe In, a cystic fibrosis podcast. All right, Gunnar and back for uh, another episode of the Breathe In Podcast, joined by the very lovely Tiffany Rich and Leah Farone. What's up, guys? Hello. Hey, how you doing? I think that people want to know, especially after the last episode, have you two gone ice skating yet? I challenged you guys last week to go ice skating. <laughs> Has it happened yet? No, no not yet. Well, well, my boyfriend's weekend. not over the flu yet. Well, he <laughs> yeah. says he's better now, but okay. we haven't seen each other. So she this weekend. To, she needed to be quarantined from him. And yeah. me and my boyfriend this weekend, we actually went to San Francisco and we did a Segway tour, which was pretty cool. It's kind of like, a, that's kind of like ice skates. That requires core core <laughs> muscles. It, it actually isn't as bad as you think it is. It's more your feet. Oh, weird. You're, yeah. You yeah. Your feet. <clears throat> I, my feet were sore and my, my wrists were sore. Have you Nothing ever been on one, Gunner? No, I have not been on one. I, I, that is not it's my experience. thing. I, we a few years ago we had one of those like, uh, the hoverboard things, you know? Yeah. Oh, I don't think I could. Do oh that. my god, no, my da- my that. dad got one for my sister and I. I think as a joke because he wanted to see us fall off of it. <laughs> so we got it for Christmas, however many years ago. And as soon as we were like finished opening presents or whatever, we went outside and he was like, "Okay, Gunner, you go first. I jump on. I fall immediately." Cindy I goes. Would. Cindy yeah. goes on. She falls immediately, and then my dad yeah. was unsatisfied with his with his gift giving. So that was the end of the, yeah. that was the end of the hoverboard. <laughs> and and, and yeah, Cindy, this one you can't really fall. Really, it's pretty hard to fall. It's it's hard to fall. Like you have to put a lot of effort into falling. I thought it was. I did have a really fall. hard. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it was gonna be hard, but it wasn't. And then so I did that, and then we went to Alcatraz, which. I've never been, even though I've lived in San Francisco my whole life. Um, you gotta get on tourist activity. So I, and this was a my Christmas present from his family because that's one of my bucket lists is to be a tourist in my own oh, city. Cool. So achieved that it. was cool. Mm-hmm. I did achieve it. So you're saying you haven't gone ice skating yet? That's the, that's that's the moral yeah, of the story. Yeah. So yeah, that to yeah to go yeah. Okay, <laughs> you to push go. it off until this, this weekend. Is, this weekend it is happening and it will be on film and yes. you may laugh at me. We're not laughing at you. We're laughing with you. you. We're laughing with you. Yes, exactly. Laughing with you. I don't know if you'll get a film. You'll get a picture. That's all I can promise. (laughs) I want to see the film. You can send me the film. I don't have to put the film on social media. Yeah, Uh that's true. That's true. But I want to see the film. That's that's the important part here. I don't know if either of us are coordinated enough to film the other person while standing on skates. Well, they can hold. I'm gonna on. have to find. That's why. That's kid. why you make friends they at the rink. They know what they're doing. Ice skating is a very social event. You make friends. That's true. Right. I'm gonna become friends with little kids. Yes. Little kids. That's little kids can what do I attract. Who do you? Who do you, <laughs> who do you think? Who do you think takes best pictures? Every seven year old knows how to I, take a yeah, picture. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they actually they know can take a better picture. Than yeah, my mom. that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Exactly. So make it happen. I need. I need to see. I need to see the film. They do. They know those Instagram angles. They know those angles now. 
Yes, exactly. Do it for the camera. Okay, so we have to get we have to get on topic for the episode today. Okay, okay. okay so Tiffany, Tiffany, you had a your one year clinic appointment this year or this week I rather. Did. You had the I did. and most specifically, you had a bronchoscopy. So I think we should talk I about uh, the difference between the difference rather the difference between clinic appointments post transplant versus pre transplant, like Leah and I. And yeah, I know right. I know Leah's posted about that on the Salty Sisters Instagram account this week as well. So I think it's a nice little topic. So. Tiffany, wh- why do you need continuous bronchoscopies after transplant? Let's start there. Uh, well, first, you need to make sure that the lungs don't have anything growing in them, any bacteria, because since you have CF still in your sinuses, it can go down to the lungs and cause the whatever you were growing before to go in there. So we don't want that. So they have to go cha- check that. And then they take a biopsy of the lung to check for a rejection because we do not want to be rejecting. And if they do see rejection, then we have to go on high steroids or do something to get rid of that. Let's just not think about that. Yeah, we just don't think about that because, um, yeah. It's a little scary. No, I get that. that. (laughs) So, yeah, you know, I I think the bronchoscopy, we talked about this a few months ago on the procedures podcast Mm -hmm. we did. Yes. For me, it gives me, kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies. But at the same yeah. time, I love it because for me, it sucks all the mucus out. My, I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. my lungs are still filled with mucus, whereas yours are not. Right. Um, but a little it, bit it, of a different experience. Yes, it, you know, it definitely. Yeah. For me, it's very relieving. But I think mm-hmm. you know, I I don't really love the feeling of you know being put under or being sedated or something like that. You know, that's kind of a, a little bit of a yeah. weird feeling. Like, do you still get sedated, even though you're, you're post transplant? You still kind of yes. The whole nine yeah, yards. I have to. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I always get sedated. Um, How many have you had for since like transplant? ten minutes? That's really short. How many have you yeah, had since since um, Well, I had a few when I was in uh, the hospital right after transplant. They actually yeah. did one when I was awake through my uh, breathing tube, so oh, I got wow. to see it. Really? It was pretty cool. Yeah, I, it was could, pretty cool. Could you feel that? Feel like in there? No, I couldn't. I couldn't feel anything. Well, because they're breathing they for in, you, right? Exactly. All right, at that point, yeah. So I got to see it on the TV. Wow. Oh my it's god. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I must. I say. think it. Was we're just finding cool. out about this now. Can we get the video of that? No one was I in there know, videoing right? you. I video. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah. that was pretty cool. So I've had probably. Because you have one usually <clears> at <throat> three weeks, then I think it's a month or a three months, six months, and then a year. But I've had a couple more than that, so I'd say I'd have five or six. Oh wow! I yeah. want to say. Wow. I feel like you've had six. Does it still, does it still give you a little anxiety a going in for it, or is it kind of like, eh, you're, you've done this a thousand times? You know, <laughs> I'm getting used to it now. Yeah, it's it's, it's a weird it's thing to get just, used to. It's just there. I don't want to do it. <laughs> I'd rather not have to do it. But it's is it still uncomfortable okay. afterwards? Like, do you still cough a lot, or is it kind of annoying? Like for us, um, when we do them, I, I, I'm coughing for like the entire like, day. Yeah. Yes, you know my throat, I mean? my throat hurt a little bit. It's not too bad, but I don't cough. I like. It's very rare that I cough. It's oh, wow. weird. It's weird when I cough now. So, have you lost the CF six pack since cough? Since like you don't cough as much, I don't. I and if I sometimes like clear mucus will come up and it's really weird. 
and I'm just by itself and I'm like what is this yeah. <laughs> I'm not used to this stuff but I did cough up some blood from the bronchoscopy which happens That's normal yeah um, it was like a little glob of it um, it's from the biopsy because they take a little bit biopsy so you're gonna bleed uh-huh. which right so that's kind of weird when I was you know I'm used to coughing up blood before transplant but now after it's kind of like shocking it's like whoa <laughs> but you know it's because of the bronchoscopy yeah. I coughed up a little blood the other day so I know the I know the I feeling of the you know when you cough up blood from your own <laughs> lungs I did that the other yeah. day it was lovely of course it always happens to me right as I put my head in the pillow I'm like ah, oh, you oh, know what now what? I'm gonna go to sleep this is this is the end of my day I've been up for 14 hours time for sleep right. oh no 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 oh yeah that's no, exactly no, no, what no, no sleep for you no sleep for you. i felt mm-hmm. it too you feel just like the rumble's like oh uh-huh. upper left lung is bleeding let me go cough now yeah. yep there it is oh, i was yeah. in denial about it i didn't even want to cough it up i was like i know you're there i don't want to cough this up because i don't want to know <laughs> oh right? i know so it's we're uh, all, we're all it just tastes so here. bad it tastes so bad <laughs> yeah uh, no, I keep I keep plastic cups near my you know on my bedside, yeah, right. just for bleeds, just mm-hmm. for bleeds because I that's smart. I'm like I I won't use them for you know normal coughs. If I have anything, I'll just put it in tissue and deal with it in the morning or whatever. But right, for for a normal for like a bleed, I'm like uh oh, here I got now I gotta go get a cup. I gotta get up. Yeah. I gotta brush my teeth again. I gotta use mouthwash. Now I got now now now, routine. Now I got to sleep sitting up. Like I'm already, I've already turned the TV off. Now I got to turn the TV on again because I'm not going to fall asleep for next half hour. Like it's just right. So you don't think about it. Yeah, I I like to know that I finish bleeding before I fall asleep. Yeah, I I don't like you know you know you can tell when it ends. Mm -hmm. Like you kind of stop feeling the rattle and the you start seeing more mucus than you do blood. Right. Yeah. That's that's. I try not. I try not to think about it. I just, I don't know. I'm so used to it. Mm-hmm. And it's weird for me to cough it up regularly now. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. So I get used to it. I get like <coughs> in a comfortable place where I'm like, oh my gosh, I haven't coughed up any blood for a while. This is a good thing. Like, you're doing good, Leah. Congrats. And then <laughs> right when I start thinking that, boom, I yeah. cough it up like right before I go to bed. Yeah. I you know. And I think right now mine's more the cold weather. Yeah, mine's, you know? I, I know we talked last week about me loving the cold weather. It's definitely yeah. that. The dry weather definitely yeah. leads to it. Because it, it wasn't a significant amount and I feel good. So, yeah, I mean, for me, had, you know? I, I finished, I finished for like two seconds. So, you know, I think really yeah. like it is one of those things where I don't it know. I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely yeah. a, I wouldn't say it's a terrifying thing right. when it happens, but it definitely a little unnerving because. It you're like because you're seeing, you're seeing blood come from somewhere that like it really shouldn't be coming from. You know what I'm saying? Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So and then now I after a transplant, you don't see blood or anymore. Biggest. So when you see it, you're like, oh, well, that's a shocker. It is <laughs> right. but, but it's always because of the bronchoscopy from the biopsy. So right, yeah. and that that makes sense. So right, you know, as long as you don't keep coughing it up, don't mm-hmm. worry about it. Yeah. Yes. So what what is the rest of your clinic appointment look like, Tiffany? Okay, so it's always do blood work in the morning because I need my ProGraph level, which is the anti-rejection med. So I have to take that uh, 12 hours after I take the med. So I have to do that in the morning. Then I have to do an x-ray to check the lungs. So it's a two-view one, so one of the full chest and then one of the side. 
And then I have to do um, a spirometry, PFT. And then I wait and go see the doctors. And what, is, what, is it, what is it like doing a PFT post-transplant? I wonder this all the okay. time. Oh, it's, it's weird. Okay. so It's weird. <laughs> I, remember, I remember before transplant when you do a PFT, it's like a big, like, when you breathe out, it's a lot of, like, you can he- heal the, hear the junk. You can hear it all, right? And you can uh, feel it. Yeah. So now it's, like, just air. It's, <laughs> it's just, like, okay. Do you, you know? feel like your your first initial, like, breath out, you know, like that big, like, puff that you, you know, the FEV one, essentially. The yeah. let it all out. Right. Yeah. Do you, yeah, do you feel a huge difference when you let all the air out? Like, can you feel that that number is significantly higher, or does it feel the same? No. You know what I mean? It's a lot better. It's, okay. Because yeah. I... I don't remember a point in time where it felt any different right. exactly. to breathe that out, but my lung functions obviously went down since I was little. So yeah, yeah, no, it's like it's no junk. It's just like a, and you don't cough after it. You do not cough. It's so weird. I cough so much, and I cough oh, I so know. much crap. That's one and of my I like. Feel bad for those PFT people. Yes, yes. Right? That's one of my. <laughs> that's one of my like indicators. Like oh, like if I like make it through PFT without coughing, I'm like okay, Gunner, you're feeling good this week. Like good right, job, yeah, you've, you've done, done a, you've done a good job. I, I'm not coughing at the end of this at the end of this yeah. PFT. I'm also one of those people that needs to do like four or five PFTs before I am comfortable oh, with the number that I see. Yeah, yeah, I totally level out. And, and the person's always like, "Are you gonna pass out?" I'm like, "No, I'm not gonna pass out." Like, this yeah, is, this I is do. Thing. We do three with me. Three. I do three yeah. times because you know, it's in the morning, which I don't know if you guys. The morning also this, sucks. That's the worst time. I'm person. not a PFT in the morning. I, I don't yeah, no, like it. I'm not, not awake. Good. Yeah, that's my thing. I, I wrote about the PFTs on my blog, uh, I don't know, probably a month, probably two months, two or three months ago. Oh. And I, you know, I there's a, there's a lot of anxiety that's around PFTs, you know, oh, right. in, the, in the CF world. I think people look at the numbers and they, they seem to feel like the numbers tell the story but that's, that's definitely right. not the case there's a lot of variables that you know that 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 that, yeah. that 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 the test doesn't really account for what is important in the test is the trend of the numbers you know yes um, exactly you know i think it's okay to have a you know an outlying bad pft here there you know you could wake up in the yeah, morning and you, you could have a bad morning you know it's mm-hmm. just because we have cf doesn't mean we are you know invincible to bad mornings you know it happens yeah. right you know and mm-hmm. i i always find that my pfts are slightly higher in the afternoon Same. than they are in the morning. And for whatever reason, that makes me feel better about myself, whether that's actually a good thing or a bad thing. But then I also know that, like, depending on which machine I do it, the mm-hmm. PFT numbers are just also different. Like, when I was in school in Boston, my PFTs in Boston, for whatever reason, were always five or six points higher than they really? were in New York. Yes, they were. <laughs> so and, what kind of machine did you use in Boston? Was it the portable? I, you know I, what I'm talking about. I think it's just. I think it's, yeah, 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 I, I think it's. Just, I think it's just calibrated differently. But yes, okay. in Boston, in Boston, they definitely they wheeled the PFT into your room. Okay. Whereas, right. a, whereas in Columbia, uh, Columbia, not Columbia Children's, a Columbia Adult, where I where I'm seen, there's like a PFT mm-hmm. room. The Bo- so do you? All right. And, but in Boston, but for whatever, but for whatever reason, in Boston, I, I, I was able to blow higher PFTs. Okay. Do you have to schedule your PFTs? different from your clinic appointment or no, is it's it all, all in one? it's all right in there like you you schedule the clinic appointment you show up and the first thing uh-huh. you do is the pft and then you see the doctor like it's all in the same area like and That's they don't the only, yeah the only time they would they, they ever send us anywhere else is for 
like a specialty exam or like a like an X-ray. So, do you have other types of patients that go there for other like tests? Yeah, yeah. Or is it just CF patients that go to that PFT lab? Well, the the Gunner SI Cystic Fibrosis Center at Columbia okay. University is right. Okay, got to put that in there. <laughs> is uh, it, it's uh, they also see asthma patients. They okay. see uh, bronchiostasis patients. Mm-hmm. They see COPD patients. Um, okay. I, it's, I think it's like – This is kind of like mine then. I think it's also like a pulmonary do- diagnostic unit, but the two doctors mm-hmm. there are cystic fibrosis pulmonologists. Yes. Okay. So there's two doctors in our clinic, and both of them are fantastic CF pulmonologists. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're but they also- see other types of patients too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. let's put it okay. – like, and I'll, I'll tell you, and I'll tell you why. The reason is okay. is because there's so few CF patients that cystic fibrosis patients don't really make a lot of money for the hospital, right? There, there, aren't, okay. there aren't enough of us. Right. Right. So in order – the hospital, you know, whether you like the fact that it's a business or not, it is a business to an extent. Right. Mm-hmm. And the hospital has to make money to keep running. And okay. CF patients don't really generate a lot of money for the hospital, you know? Right. And, and mm-hmm. especially in CF, there's four – you know – now we're finally seeing more, you know, more and more adult patients. But for the longest period of right. time, there were far more children's patients than there were adult patients. That's why right. there's been a lag time in the number of adult cystic fibrosis clinics to sort of come about. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Very much. And actually, mm-hmm. our CF center actually, like, splits time with uh, the Columbia Sleep Center. Like, there's there's two – within the physical mm-hmm. space of the CF center, um, there's actually mm-hmm. two rooms that are designated for the sleep unit. So people will come in, like, do uh, – Okay. You know, like when people like wear the mask when they sleep or like if they have, yes, have insomnia or whatever, you know, unrelated to CF or whatever, they, they will also see patients there as well. Okay. okay. Yeah. yeah, I mean, mine, when I schedule my clinic appointment, I also have to schedule a PFT appointment, which kind of is annoying. Because like you go somewhere else? A lot of times. Hmm? Is it all in the same place or do you have to go somewhere else? It's all in the same place. So it's like you get off on that floor and you check in and you check in for all your appointments, but they're oh. all separate appointments, which mm-hmm. is kind of annoying. So you go to a waiting room, you wait for your PFTs, and they see all different types of patients. I mean, there's people waiting in there that have asthma or whatever. They're there for spirometry testing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get your PFTs done, and then you make your way down the hallway, and then there's a waiting room for the CF patients, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. we have, like, a small little area that the, like, doctors see us and stuff. Oh, but, interesting. Yeah. yeah, see, we... Yeah, but there's, like, different waiting rooms for different clinics in the back so uh-huh. it's like yeah. they put everyone in one big one they do the spirometry and then they kind of separate you into the different clinics it's interesting oh that is uh, weird I, yeah we yeah yeah i i never really see that like sometimes my doctor will administer the pfa my doctor's like a very like very much like a jack of all trades kind of person like mm-hmm. she'll take my blood or she'll administer my pft or she'll that's pretty cool you know, she does a lot of she, yeah, she's also pulled my pick line like you know she, oh, she like yeah she's done she's done a lot like <laughs> the first time i like transitioned to adult and my pick line she's like okay let's pull that thing out and i was like you're gonna pull this out yeah, you like, know that's concerning yeah, like, <laughs> my, like in, like in, in pediatrics in pediatrics it was like okay you have the green light to go home and have the home care nurse pull it out so yeah, we just usually have the nurse in the clinic pull it out yeah no she, yeah. she's pulling it right out yeah. and i'm like and or she's taking blood or whatever, and I'm like, this is so so weird for me. So the first time it had, the first time it happened, like she kind of like sprung the the blood test on me, and I was like, oh my god, you gotta be yeah. kidding me. Or like she'll also right. do like a like a throat swab or like a nasal swab, right? Like yeah, it's she kinda, likes to get up in there. Yeah, like she, yeah, yeah, yeah it's, I, like I mean, it. it's like it's I like, like it's like it. a, like she doesn't really 
uh, <laughs> like dictate to her staff what to do. She just kind of does it herself. It's pretty cool. Right. I like that though. That's good. My my CF doctor did an cool. ultrasound on my heart just there because I was having high heart rate before transplant. Uh-huh. And right. I go to a different CF clinic than I do for transplant. Uh-huh. I don't go to Stanford for my CF clinic. I go to Kaiser. Mm-hmm. So it's different doctors and they communicate really well together. But the weird thing is, is that. Do you so still go, go to, to CF clinics? Do you still go to I CF? Do. You do. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I actually have to Which is home. interesting to me because when people at Hopkins get transplanted, yeah. They don't go back to CF clinic. Okay. They yeah, almost act know. like you don't have CF anymore, which is really weird to me. Weird. But yeah. I think they're I, working I, on changing that. Yeah. yeah. So the weird thing is, is when I go to CF clinic, that my appointment has the spirometry in it, which like Gunner does. Mm-hmm. Then if I go to Stanford, it's first come, first serve, That's, which is weird. Which so is the weirdest every, concept to me. So, that is weird. So basically they they – Say you have an appointment at nine o'clock. So every single person has a nine o'clock appointment, but you you have your number. So you're a number. So if you get there first, then that you're gonna get seen first. But you have to go do all your labs first and your spirometry first and everything. So it's really weird to me. And so that- you, it sounds like you need a jack of all trades doctor like I have. Like you need someone exactly. that does everything for you. That's exactly, exactly. what you need. Exactly. It's like my CF clinic doctor does everything. And then when I go to Stanford, it's just I have to go see everybody. Yeah, see, it's the transplant crazy. doctors are they, from what I can tell, I've, 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 I've met a few, you know, through our foundation and stuff like that. From what I can tell, they're a bit of the divas of the medical world. <laughs> that That's as far as I can tell. Yeah, I, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. They are very good just doctors. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I know. But it, no, but I understand. Like, I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> they're, um, they're funny. Uh, yeah, I, I think we're having an interesting conversation here because we're, we're, we're actually shocking each other on how different the procedures are inside. Yeah. The different yeah. clinics. I mean, even when I went to Boston Children's Hospital, it was it's so a very, it was a very different setup. Like, I yeah. what I would do there was. The CF patients did not wait in the waiting room. As soon as there was no waiting room. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of the same way for uh, at Columbia. They kind of just usher CF patients into different rooms. But in but in Boston, they had more rooms there in Boston. But what they would do is, you check in and they would just put you in a room immediately, and that would be a room like they like someone would come in and just do tests. It was like the whole thing would just happen very quickly. Like you'd be sitting there, like someone would wheel in the vitals. That person mm-hmm. would leave, and the person would come in and wheel in the PFT, and that person right. would leave. Then, like the social worker would come in, and that person would leave, and then the doctor would show up. You know, yeah, it's it was. It I thought I thought that was a really cool way of doing things, and definitely Me seemed too. like it was a an efficient way of you know practicing infection control. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and it seems like the way you do it, Leah, at, at Hopkins is like to me, it's like crazy. Oh my gosh, it's terrifying! I was having a panic attack, yeah, and I apologize was- to anyone that was there in the waiting room and probably was watching me freak out because I was pacing up and down the hallway. Solely because, I mean, it's a time of the year, half of the population has the flu right now. Mm -hmm. I know half the people in the waiting room with me had it or were trying to get over it because (laughs) the coughs I was hearing and just like, they felt so bad for these people. And I'm like, why are they making you wait in a waiting room? You know what I mean? And it's just putting every single person at risk because they're all... Yeah. We we wear masks, but masks only do so much, you know. Yeah. She was so, texting me 
I'm, yeah. I'm in the panic mode right now. I'm yeah. in panic I'm mode. It's stupid. Because, you know, this is like the first winter I've been really healthy. Knock on wood. Knock like on all wood. Knock um, on all the wood. So <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't want to be putting myself more at risk by coming to CF Clinic just for a checkup. You know, I was thinking oh, maybe I should just leave and, you know, call them and say, I'm alive and I'm doing great. Like, see ya in the spring, you know? So. Yeah, that, that's absolutely. I, I, ne- I have never heard I of a. I've never heard of a waiting room operate that way. I mean, sometimes I will come into CF Clinic. And it'll be very apparent that there's another CF patient in there. Obviously, the people wearing people with CF either look like they know what they're doing in there, right. or they're wearing masks. They the- yeah, like they definitely there's definitely like a like an aura to them as if they had the experience yeah. in sitting in the mm-hmm. waiting room. Whereas people who either have COPD or asthma or, or you know some of the other respiratory right. ailments, you know, they kind of yeah. just sit there and they're like coughing away and whatever. CF people yeah. actually at least have the courtesy to protect the other patients in the room because they know. Mm-hmm themselves that they want to be protected from everyone else that's sitting there and you know i i think that um you know it hearing what you go through is like insane that's like that's like the most shocking thing i've ever heard actually concerns me and it just worries me for other people because you know they try to separate the days of cf clinic i think cf clinic's only there three days a week that's how it is at columbia Um, Columbia sort of has that yeah i'm pretty sure it's three days um but one of the days they make it for the people that have infections that are a little more scary and you know they don't want everyone being exposed to which i think that might be mandated by cf come in on a certain day Hmm? i think that might be mandated by cf i think maybe i think i i think it's smart that they did that um I'm not sure that but then, like, the other two days, you know, are for all the other people. But we still have to wait in this huge waiting room. And you could be in there for an hour or more. Yeah. So it's just, it's kind of scary. And it is uh, scary. It, that's probably the part I hate the most, you know. Like, I really don't mind CF Clinic. I honestly, I like catching up with the doctors and the nurses and everyone yeah. there. Um, but the waiting room issue, I wish we could solve that. But it's yeah. hard to because... The clinic's only designed with so many rooms, and <clears throat> we have more patients than rooms. Yeah. So now, my my question for you is, does does Hopkins have a separate study area? Like, have you been enrolled in a study at Hopkins before? Yes, I've been in many. So, have you like? Do they have a separate area where they put study patients, or? So it's interesting because the study area is in a totally different building. Oh. It's not even close to the clinic. Mm. Um. Yeah, so you have to go to a totally different building and, you know, sign in there, and that's a whole thing in and of itself. And, like, do you see your CF doctor when you're there for a study visit? So I actually met my current CF doctor doing a research study. So I was in PEDS, and I had been doing this study for a couple of years, and I was reaching that point where it's like, okay, you kind of have to transition. So my PEDS <coughs> doctor was the one that enrolled me, and she was over the study, but they also had an, an adult CF doctor over the study, too. So he started seeing me pretty regularly during the research study and we built a relationship. And then when I, you know, transitioned, Transition, yeah. I automatically chose him as my doctor because <laughs> I already had a relationship with him. Mm-hmm. So it made the transition a little bit easier. Okay. So I would see him on a regular basis during a research study, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think now if I did one, I would see a different CF doctor, but I know mo- most of them and have a good relationship with most of them. So, yeah, you that's know. good. Yeah, yeah uh, ours is the R. See, that's different. Our study rooms, unless you're there for mm-hmm. like an extended stay study, like if you're there for like okay. a twelve-hour visit, which, as you know, some studies have the twelve-hour day. Um, right. You know, if you're there for just a, you know four or six hours, you know, some are just long visits. 
there is a, there are study rooms available at at our clinic that you sit in, and uh, you know they're not they're actually a lot smaller than the, the normal clinic rooms, but <laughs> they're at least in the CF clinic, um, which is pretty well, cool. That's how it was at Boston Children's. Yeah, exactly. Which you is know, pre- which is pretty I cool because there for a research study. Yeah, and if, and if your doctor's the there, she'll, you know, he or she will pop in and say hi, and right. you know that way you get to see your doctor. But um, you know, I, I've also been in studies at Columbia where you know the other doctor in um, in the clinic is also you know observing the study or whatever. And so, you know, I've gotten to know her a little bit as well. But, uh, you know, I think that's definitely a unique thing. But I've also done 12-hour stays for, for studies where they send me upstairs to, like, you know, it almost looks like an inpatient ward, but it's like an inpatient, mm-hmm. like, study ward, I guess. So, right. So in peds, when I would do research studies, the place you would go for the actual study with the different rooms they'd see you in, if you had to be there for 12 hours or more, which I had had that happen, like, occasionally for certain studies – they would put you in an inpatient room. So it had like a back door to it almost. And then it would be connected to an inpatient research floor. Yeah. that's kind So of they would have beds there where they might take care of you for, I don't know. I had been inpatient on that floor just after a bronchoscopy. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Cause that's where they had room and I already had a relationship with them, but they would also have these inpatient rooms that they would use for studies and things like that. So they didn't have to constantly move you around yeah it's, it's well, a kind of like a little interesting thing tiffany did you yeah. like what well, is your did you ever enroll yourself in a study was it ever, did you ever have any experience there? no you're not a I never you're not a lab it. rat I'm, like like leah and i i was I've not i've been crazy i was well. not well i have such rare i had rare um mutations something oh, just yeah. well i just found out my mutations in 2012 so <laughs> what then I got sicker and sicker and then yeah I have really weird mutations right there. So my doctor's like, I've never seen this before. It's like, yeah, um, I'm a little rare one. So I never did any of that. I did give my blood for research and stuff for like infants and stuff if they came out um, having my mutations. Uh-huh. So I did do that. So, yeah. so you're, you're, alone, you're alone somewhere on the CF registry is what you're telling yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Basically, yeah. Well, we. I uh, special. I, I see. I always <laughs> I sign know. off yes on on that kind of thing. Like I'm. I mean, I'm definitely transparent when they when they're like. Yeah. You know, we can take your blood for this study. You know, you may not. Yeah. See it back before. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I mean, I my yeah. feeling on the clinical study thing is like, there's there's not enough people to say no. Yeah. With, you know, with mm-hmm. CF, like you know, people with diabetes. There's millions of people with diabetes. It's okay <laughs> if. 90% of those patients say no to being inside clinical studies because they're going to get the results they need from the other 10% of the population. And CF, that's right. not, there just really aren't enough patients. Exactly. You know, there's not, just not enough patients for them to get the appropriate study results if we don't enroll into studies. Yeah. Right. And they, I mean, they are annoying. I mean, I'm, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you straight up. They are really annoying. I've had a degrading you And you, and you, and you flow, you flew to and from Boston for one. I mean, that's, yeah, that's I beyond mean, I an inconvenience. I back and forth. <laughs> I flew back and forth for how many, I think three years. Yeah. And it was pretty regular. I mean, in the beginning it was every two weeks and then it got pushed out to every two to three months. Um, And I liked it, you know, because I kind of had like, you know, a home away from home and I got to experience some new things, but I mean, it was a lot, you know, I had to take time off of work and I had to figure out all the logistics and Mm -hmm. I don't know. It was definitely a lot. um, But the same study that I was in up there, I was in in Baltimore mm-hmm. probably 
a couple of years prior and then they didn't offer it here anymore so I flew up there yeah. um but some of the things I had to do for it were awful I mean they had this vest that you would have to wear and it's not like the vest we wear that shakes the mucus out of our lungs this was like a skin tight vest that you had to wear over your clothes and it had like a collar and it had to be tight on your neck and it measured how often you cough oh my god that's horrendous and you had to wear it horrendous for 24 to 48 hours like every month it would be like a once a month thing and i felt like a dog you know what i mean it was just awful like that was the one thing i was like that one sucks i am not okay with this that, no. that's you know, horrendous. eventually they got rid of that and you didn't have to do it but Thank i think that was the one thing that was a little over the edge for me Ugh. you know i had sounds stupid but it was i had one where not quite as bad but i resented it i they made me do several pfts during the day mm-hmm. um for for a study i was in, in probably five years ago now maybe a little, okay. a little less than five years ago and i had to do a pft i think in the morning and a pft at night and by the time I got to the end of that of the like the PFT phase of the study. It was probably the first like six to eight weeks or whatever. Mm-hmm. I like hated that little machine because it just made me yeah. cough so much. <laughs> and like, it's, it's, right. it's one thing to like do the PFT once every three months at clinic or or however right. often you know every couple of weeks, but right. to do it twice a day every day for eight weeks was horrendous. I, I'm a very compliant. That's so I'm a, exhausting. I'm a very compliant mm-hmm. patient, but that was like the one thing I like. I just. I, it. it was one thing that I really resented. Like there's days when I resent my treatments, but I still do them. Yeah. And, but there, I mean, this thing, I hated it with a passion after mm-hmm. three or four weeks. I mean, That's just like, like how I was with that dog collar vest thing. Yeah, it's like, for some <laughs> reason. A box. I mean, it was just bad. Oh yeah, horrendous. Yeah. I mean, I I don't mind sitting in a room for eight hours. I can figure out a way to entertain myself. Also, they come in, right. and they like they're doing enough tests on you that the time kind of goes by. But, yeah. you know, you can figure out a way to entertain yourself for eight hours. Right. You can't yeah. figure yeah. out a way to to avoid having to do two, like, you know, six yeah. efforts of PFT every day. You know, mm-hmm. Two That's PFTs, three hours each. It was horrendous. And half the time, like, the machine would not read an effort. Be like, oh, try again. And you're, like, sitting there after 15 minutes of trying to do PFTs with this thing, like, ready to just, like. <laughs> well, my favorite is with research studies, a lot of times the PFTs have to be consistent so you'll do one and it might be awful because my first PFT is always bad. Yeah. And then I get the mucus out and then Same. it goes up a lot. So you do the first one, it'd be awful. You do the second, it goes up a lot. And they're like, okay, well, these aren't in a certain amount from each other. So therefore, you have to do three more. Well, uh-huh. if you keep going up, you keep having to do three more after that. Uh-huh. Yeah. So you could sit there and do 10. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Until they all become consistent. And, and then I was lightheaded. Awesome. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah and then I'm lightheaded. I have a headache. It's, it's I'm one thing to like. Red, I'm coughing up a lung. It's I'm one thing lightheaded. To, yes, it's one thing to do four or five PFTs on your own accord. It's another thing for right. when they want to make you do like six or seven of them. Right. Like yeah. at some point, and you I have think, to draw the line. <laughs> I think a lot of my PFT anxiety solely comes from research studies, studies. that I was in. Mm-hmm. Because you also have to have a certain PFT to even enroll. And a lot of times I'd be right on that line of whatever it was for that study. So my first PFT, I wouldn't be high enough. And then the second one I do would, but then they're like, okay, well, you need to replicate that at least two more times, mm-hmm. you know? So I'd always be just so anxious and have so much pressure on me that if I want to be yeah. in this study and it could potentially really help me in the long run, I need to do this, you know? Yeah. So I think that's where some of my PFT anxiety my, comes from. I, I, that... Yes. So much yeah. yes. I 
also <laughs> hate the debt. I mean, and for every study, it seems to be different. Like sometimes it's like it sixty, sometimes fifty, sometimes forty, sometimes it's seventy. I mean, there's the ranges they They're put all these over things. the place. And the worst know? part yeah. about it is, if you want to enroll into like a phase two study, or like a phase three. I mean, first of all, you're mm -hmm. doing them a favor by even being in the goddamn study. Right. Thank you're you. Doing, you're doing a, a favor. You want to do it? You're doing it. You're compliant in the study. I am a great study participant. I am yeah. so compliant. You're doing, it's not. You're funny. doing. You're doing them a favor. You're doing. You're doing them a favor. Right. And they put the the number line on there. And I know. I'm not going to say. There's probably look your biologist up the wazoo why they why they do that. And I'm yeah. sitting here like, first of all. You have to do like the month long washout where you can't even change your meds, right? God forbid you get sick and like you can't even do anything about it. Like, oh, you just got to make it until the, you know, you get through the month long washout period. Because if you change your meds mm. during that, that time, you automatically disqualify. Like, yeah. are we right. trying, are we trying to look at people with CF like on, on a normal, regular basis? Well, people with CF are going to change their, their ways Obviously. and their meds very frequently, especially when they get mm. sick. Your, it, it, is, it is very hard. Ten days. Yes, it's very right. hard. It is very that's hard. That's my routine, and that's what works. It is very hard to find a patient that is going to last for a month at a certain <laughs> level of PFT without yeah, feeling the need to change their meds. Yes, I mean, I, I don't <laughs> yeah. know whether that's the FDA or some other agency, but that is the dumbest shit I have ever heard. Yeah, thank you. In my well, they don't understand life. CF apparently. I I, yeah. I don't know. It is it like is a mind numbing routine that they put the behind it, and I don't know if this is correct, but I think the belief behind having to have a certain PFT and having that washout period is that they want healthier CF people in the studies, which doesn't make sense. It seems real messed up. It makes sense. <laughs> I'm at a point where I need these meds to come out like now, like they should have came out yesterday, mm -hmm. you know. So. I would give anything to be in one of these studies right now, especially these Vertex ones that are supposed to be amazing. But it's just, it's not going to happen because I have to change my meds every freaking 10 days. <clears throat> no, I mean, so, listen, I mean, you know. I've accepted that. Yeah, you know, the, these, it's not, it's not just them. It, it's, it's every, you know, clinical study that there is. Yeah. You know, the, the standard is set. And I would love to know who set this standard for, these clinical so. trials, whether whether mm -hmm. whether it's the FDA or or somebody else or some other agency, but it is a unrealistic expectation to put on patients yeah. that are mm -hmm. dealing with changing environments. Mm -hmm. They're just know, I mean, the only way the only way realistically that you can get somebody to stay like you know completely baseline for a month is if you find some like some exemplary patient or some standout patient or some outlier patient. Which is right. not an accurate representation of the disease as a whole, but yeah. ultimately, what it shows basically a patient that doesn't have a like cultivated infection. Yeah, or yeah, or somebody's got some that's super rare mutation chance. or whatever. Yeah, I mean that's that's what it comes to. I mean, okay, so we're we're going way over time here, but obviously, <laughs> obviously, we've struck it. We've struck in a bit of a chord another day. Yes, I think we can come you back know? to this one, but yeah, you know, I could. think our message here is that. <laughs> this part of the clinical study is annoying, but it's <laughs> but it, it is also important to enroll in clinical studies and live through this and hell. I that... urge you, obviously, yeah. that if you are healthy <laughs> enough and have all the requirements and can withstand a one month washout period, that you should enroll. <laughs> I would give anything to do that. So take advantage of it and do it and help all the people that can't be in these studies, like me. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> we'll get you there. We'll get you there. Okay, so... I know, right? <laughs> thanks for listening today. Uh, we hope you still like us. Um, I know. You, can, you can subscribe it's to us okay. on, subscribe to us on iTunes, and if you do, remember rate and review us. You can follow us on Instagram. Tiffany, what's our Instagram handle? At breathe <laughs> underscore in underscore pod. Yes, at breathe in pod on Instagram. You can also follow. Yes, you can follow okay. me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook, and you can also interact with us there. And then you can follow us all these sisters on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Do that. Yep, that's a great way mm-hmm. to to uh, respond to questions. And we. I think we were going to discuss a question that we got, but I, I, somehow that didn't happen this week. So we'll do that right, next week. So it can happen next week. Yes, next week and we, we will, won't ramble as much. Yes, next week we will take a question, and we will actually go right. with it that time. Um, yeah, so if also, you have questions, send them in. Yes, and yeah, I'm, I'm very in. much looking forward to watching the videos of you two going ice skating this weekend. Yeah. I cannot wait, and I, I, know. And I know our listeners cannot wait either. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't worry, I'll share it on Facebook. Or, yes, you know, we'll put it on, we'll put it on the Instagram. We'll, we'll put it on our Instagram. I've been trying to be more active on there because we kind of slacked off at the end of last year with that. So um, yes, we're trying to show more of our lives. Yes, so we'll we'll definitely share our videos. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. You'll you'll laugh and cry with us all in one. <laughs> I'm excited for that. <laughs> all right, so thank you for listening, girls. Have a good night. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Bye.